0: Thank you. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. 11th chapter of Hebrews. This is one of the great chapters in the Bible. It's a favorite chapter of many. It's been called God's Hall of Fame. It's been called the chapter of the heroes of faith, the honor roll of the Old Testament saints, the Westminster Abbey of Scripture, the faith chapter, the Hall of Faith. You know, some chapters you have to read through them a few times to try to get the theme. You don't have to do that with this chapter because it's real obvious. 24 times in this chapter we read the word faith. Faith is the theme of chapter 11. It presents to us the excellency and priority of faith. You say, well, I, I, I see that this is a great chapter and I, and I love this chapter, but why does he put this chapter right here in the book of Hebrews? Why here and not somewhere else? Well, I think the answer is that for 10 chapters, the author has been telling us that the new covenant in Jesus' blood is superior to the old covenant. And interspersed throughout that time, he's given warning passages to his Jewish readers not to go back to the temple and the priesthood and the sacrifices, but to come to Jesus Christ and enjoy the benefits of the new covenant. You need to appropriate the new covenant. And I think at this point, the Jewish person could be asking the question, how? How do I come to the new covenant there aren't any sacrifices to make. There aren't any feasts and ritual washings and ceremonies. There's no circumcision. How do I come? What does God require? And he really answers that at the end of chapter 10, where he quotes from their Old Testament in Habakkuk 2.4. Chapter 10 and verse 38 is a quote that says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Now the Jew at this point may raise his hand and object and say, wait a minute, all of our forefathers were saved by works. They did the sacrifices, they did the washings, they kept the ceremonies, uh, they observed the feast days, they went through all the processes, they did the nitty-gritty of keeping the law, they were obedient, they were saved by works. So what does the writer do in chapter 11? He tells us what faith is, and then he gives us a whole list of examples of faith. And who are these examples of faith? They are Old Testament saints. Over and over again in chapter 11, beginning in verse 3, he says, by faith, verse 4, by faith, verse 5, by faith, verse 7, by faith, verse 8, by faith. And if you go down the list, he tells us about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab. And then he gets to verse 32 and he says, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith... And so you see, this is a chapter in which he shows the Jews that have left Judaism and are on the edge of faith what faith is and gives them examples of people of faith who were their forefathers to show them this is exactly what God requires. But I think this chapter is not only written to those who were on the edge of faith in Christ and have not committed themselves, it's also written to Christians. Christians who are going through persecution, who are are struggling, with their present Christian life. Because that's what we saw last week at the end of chapter 10. In verse 35, he says, don't throw away your confidence. Hang in there. And then you remember in verses 32 and 34, he said, look back. Remember how you used to endure suffering with joy. Look at the present and endure by keeping the will of God. And look to the future and see that Jesus is coming soon and he's bringing rewards. So live by faith. And then he says, here's what faith is. And here are some examples of faith. And then look at what he does when we get to chapter 12 in verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He says, hang in there. Now here's a chapter of what faith is and here are examples of faith. The conclusion is what? Therefore, run with endurance. Now this morning, I want us to look at just verse 1. And verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11 gives us the definition of faith or description of faith. It says, faith is. And the first phrase it says, of two phrases is, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That word assurance could be better translated, substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You say, wait a minute, Dan. Faith is. Or things hoped for don't have any substance. They're just hoped for. Well, this is telling us what the nature of faith is. And the nature of faith is that faith gives things hoped for a present substance. Faith makes things hoped for as real as if we already had them. You get that? See, all of these individuals listed in this chapter, all of these Old Testament saints, were people who had received the promises of God promises of God to them were things like the Messiah would come, they would have their land restored, they would get a kingdom, they would get a new heart, they would get an eternal inheritance, but they did not receive those promises. In fact, if you look at chapter 11, verse 39, it tells us this. It says, And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. They went through their whole lives with the promises of God, and they never got the promises of God, but their faith made those future promises of God a present reality to them today. In fact, look at verse 13 of chapter 11. It says, all these died in faith. I love that phrase. Died in faith. You live by faith and then you die in faith. And notice what it says about them. All these died in faith without receiving promises. They lived their whole life with the promises of God. They died still believing in the promises of God and they never got them. But notice what it says about these people. It says, but having seen them. Now, how do you see the promises of God? By faith. Having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. That word means to embrace them from a distance. How do you embrace the promises of God? By faith. And then he goes on to say about them that they, notice verse 13, they confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Because they could see the promises of God and embrace the promises of God, they confessed that they didn't belong in this world. And then verse 14 tells us, for those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. You see, they they had the promises of God. They never got the promises of God. But their faith made those future promises of God so much a present reality to them that they confessed to people around them, we don't belong in this world. And they made it clear by their lifestyle that they were living for another country in the future. You see, faith is not blind optimism. Faith is not some manufactured, nebulous, I hope so kind of feeling. You know, it's not kind of, I'm going to generate this sort of, I hope so. That's not faith. Faith is not some manby, pamby, weak, I hope the Lord's coming back. That's not faith. You see, faith is an absolute certain reality. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith makes future things a reality today now faith is very interesting and when I talk to people and I share the gospel with them we always get to this point where they say well what do I need to do and I say well you need to believe you need to have faith and faith is a very difficult concept to communicate to someone but there are certain characteristics of faith because faith really defies everything that's normal faith and trust in the promises of God is definitely not the world's way in fact Faith is really opposed to the way of the world. The world will tell you that if you follow the world's ways and the world's standards, you will gain a certain amount of pleasure, a certain amount of enjoyment, and a certain amount of prosperity. You can bank on it. But if you will follow the standards of God, a God that you've never seen, a God whose audible voice you've never heard, if you will follow Jesus Christ, whose face you have never seen, whose form you have never Touched. And by the way, he says, if you follow me, I promise you'll have pain, loss, discomfort, unpopularity, you'll be persecuted, and you may lose your life. But you follow him anyway. Why? Because faith gives those future promises of God a present reality. You see, it is faith that allows me to stand apart from this present world and suffer now if need be, because I know with certainty what the future holds. The world has no certainty. It's kind of like Woody, uh, Woody Allen who said that uh, I don't believe in the afterlife, but I am taking the change of underwear. That's not faith. Faith is seeing the future promises of God. And faith takes those future promises and brings them into present and makes them a reality for me. In fact, look a little later in this chapter in verse 24. The example of Moses. It says, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now Moses grew up in Egypt. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up to be a prince. When he got to be an adult, it says he refused to be called her daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now look at that verse 26. He grew up and he had a choice to make. He could choose, on one hand, the reproaches, the sufferings of Christ or the Messiah, or on the other hand, he could choose the riches of Egypt. That's not a real tough choice for the world. You want to go over here and suffer, or you want all the riches in Egypt? But see, Moses was a man of faith, and Moses chose the reproaches of Christ. Why? Because he was looking to the reward. And faith took that future reward and made it a present reality. And when he put it on the scales, he said, here's the reproach of Christ. Here's the riches of Egypt. But when he brought the rewards by faith into the present and put them on the scale, the scales of the rewards of God outweighed the riches of Egypt. He was a man of faith. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were great examples of faith in the Old Testament. You say, well, why weren't they in Hebrews chapter 11? Well, I think they're implied here. If you go down to verse 34, it's listing off a whole lot of people in the Old Testament and things that they did, and it says in verse 34, they quenched the power of fire. And I think this is who he has in mind when he talks about that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faced with a decision. They were to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar and his idol, who they could see, whose voice they could hear, Or they could obey a God that they couldn't see. And so they were faced with a dilemma to enhance the decision there was a fire over here. And Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't bow down to my idol and, and, and show obedience to me, then I'm going to throw you in the fire. Now the empiricist today says, I have no problem with that decision. I buy what I can see. I will bow down to Nebuchadnezzar and get away from the fire. The man of faith says what? I'm going to obey God even if it means going into the fire. You see, faith is opposed to the way of the world. But not only is faith opposed to the general way of the world, faith is opposed to your own senses. See, the world always attracts what appeals to your senses. Your taste, your touch, your smell, your sight, your hearing. We're, we're supposed to grab for those things that appeal to our senses. Faith goes against our senses. Faith obeys God even when I can't see it, I can't smell it, I can't hear it, I can't touch it. I still obey God. The classic example, keep your finger in Hebrews 11 and go back to Romans chapter 4. I love this little passage in Romans chapter 4. Look at verse 18. Talking about Abraham, it says, in hope against hope, he believed. I just love that phrase. In in hope against hope, he believed. In order that he might become a father of many nations according to which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. God said, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars in the heaven and like the sand on the seashore. And Abraham didn't have any descendants. And so in hope against hope, he believed. Why was the situation so hopeless? Look at verse 19. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. God said, I'm going to make your descendants like the stars in heaven. He didn't have any kids. And without becoming weak in faith, he sort of did an inventory. He looked at his own body, and he said, it says it was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And then he looked at his wife. Unfortunately, it doesn't say he said anything. He just looked at her. And her, to, her womb was dead. So here he is hundred years old. His body is as good as dead. He looks at his wife and her, her womb is a tomb. And God is saying, I'm going to give you descendants like the sand on the seashore. And what does Abraham do? Verse 20, Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I love that. God makes the promise. He uses his natural senses to evaluate the situation. He says, this is an impossibility from a human standpoint. And yet he claimed the promises of God. Why? Because faith makes the future promises of God a present reality today. Faith always goes against the way of the world. The world says, live for the present. The world says, trust in your senses. Faith lives for the future. And even when God's promises go against my senses, faith sees the things that are unseen. And so faith goes against the world. My senses goes against living for the present in order to put all the eggs in one basket, and that is the basket of the promises of God. And so faith is not something I just wistfully hope for. It's a certainty. You know, I'm not going through life Struggling and and experiencing persecution from people and struggling through life and going, you know, I hope this whole thing pans out. I know it will. Because that's the nature of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, let's back this up a little bit. Because on the natural level, we all experience faith. Some of you are enjoying a vacation right now that you're not going to have until August. By faith. Right? You're thinking about you know, having your fly rod out there and a drought stream and you're pulling in, or you're laying on the beach in, in Honolulu and the sun's beating down on you. You're, you're, you sit and you contemplate that by faith. When I was a little boy, Christmas was much more fun by faith than it was in actuality. Because I had dreamed up what it was going to be and it wasn't always actually that way. I, I saw Marissa Tilly Schof back there. She's probably... Held her baby to come by faith already, even though it's not due until February. That's natural faith. It takes something in the future and brings it into the present. Well, as a Christian, that's what I'm to do, only I'm not dealing with just natural things. We're dealing with the promises of God and the supernatural spiritual realm. In like fact, this word substance is an interesting word. It's only used two other times in Hebrews. And I, want you to, I want to show you how it's used. Go to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. first chapter of Hebrews in verse 3. Speaking about Jesus Christ the Son, it says in verse 3, and He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature. That phrase, the exact representation is this same Greek word, substance. Jesus is the substance of the character of God. And so when we come to Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's concrete. It's material. It's real. And then one other place it appears is in chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. That word assurance there has the idea of confidence. But it's a Greek word that's often used of, of somebody having a title deed to a piece of property. They have the title deed to the property even though they haven't really taken claim to it yet. And so when we put these two ideas together, he's telling us that faith is the title deed of assurance that we will receive the very essence of what God has promised. That's good stuff. But that's only the first phrase in the definition of faith. Because if you come back to Hebrews chapter 11, he has a second phrase. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. Remember Thomas? He was the doubting disciple and he wasn't in the room when Jesus first appeared and the other disciples said he's risen and Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I put my finger, until I see the the holes and then I put my finger and I put my fist into it. I'm not going to believe. And then Jesus showed up and Thomas saw him and Thomas fell down and said, my Lord and my God. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, Have you believed because you've seen? Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. You see, there's a special blessing for those who don't get to see, but yet believe. And that's the nature of faith. Faith faith is the conviction of things not seen. The world says seeing is believing. God says believing is seeing. Because when we believe... We are able through the eye of faith to see the promises of God. What I found, find interesting here, it says, it is the conviction. That's a strong word. That's a word that implies action. That's a word that means you bank your life on your hope. You see, the first phrase here actualizes the future truth. It takes that future truth and brings it into the present and gives it substance. The second phrase commit your life to it. That conviction. Look, look at verse 7 of chapter 11. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark. Now, God came to Noah and said, Noah, it's going to rain. Noah had never seen rain. He was talking to Noah about things he had never seen. He, he might as well, as well have come to Noah and said, Noah, it's going to lumber. Excuse me, it's going to what? And God said, well, water is going to fall out of the sky. And so much water is going to fall out of the sky that it's going to flood the entire world. And I'm sure he went away for a little while, and Noah probably thought about that. He said, How is that going to happen? How is water going to fall out of the out of the sky and flood the whole world? And he thought about that. But you know, he didn't stop just saying, you know, I believe that what God says is going to happen. He didn't stop there. He built a boat. You see, faith takes that future promise of God, brings it into the present, and makes it a reality, but it never stops there. It is the conviction that goes a step further and bases its life upon the promises of God. You see, for the better part of 120 years, Noah builds an ark. That's faith. Faith is seeing the future promises of God and having them come into the present in reality, but then it is the conviction that says, I am going to bank my life on the promises of God. Everybody lives by natural faith. Every time you get a drink out of a faucet, you do it by faith. Because you have no idea what's going to come out next. Every time you eat at a restaurant, they bring the food out and you say, that looks nice. You have no idea what the chef did to that food. But you eat it by faith. Especially, if, that's why I don't get things with a lot of sauce on them. You smother them with sauce, it's a little, a little iffy. You drink a can of soda by faith. You just pop the top and... <laughs> Start drinking, trusting that that's going to be what, you're, what the sign says on the side. You know, we, we use faith with paper money. We say, well, I've got $20 here in my pocket. Well, that's just a piece of paper. That's not worth $20. But I am trusting that the government is going to stand behind this and say that this is worth 20 gold pieces of silver that I'm saying it's worth. I do that by faith. Every time you get on an elevator, you do it by faith. You get on, you're 30 floors up, you press the button, you don't realize you are hanging by a chain 30 floors in the, in the air, and you just do it as natural as you walk around. I was in a parking lot the other day and I saw a guy in a big, one of these big muscle trucks that I always wish I had. I got Lindsay and I have a little miniature muscle truck. But this thing was huge. And he, he was parked there, and as I got out, I realized that there was a, a grate in the, in the driveway. And I don't, I don't know if it was a drainage grate. It was probably an access grate. And I really didn't look in there to see how far it dropped down. But this guy had parked his front wheel right on that grate. And I thought, you know, I wouldn't have parked there. Because he's parking there by faith that that grate is going to hold up all the weight of his truck. It would have been just as easily to park a little further away and not run that risk. But he parked there by faith. We drive down the road by faith. We're going down the road. We, we go around a corner. We just assume that the highway department has finished the road we do it by faith. we go over bridges by faith. The old Cape Bridge was an act of faith. I mean, every time toward the end, it was kind of like, man, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going again over this bridge because there's going to be a last time that somebody goes over this. But that's faith. We, we do it. We operate by faith all the time. We don't really think about it a whole lot. But that's on a natural level. And what he's telling us is faith takes those future promises of God and makes them real today, but it doesn't stop there. Faith is the conviction that bets its life on the things not seen. That's why I love the phrase in verse 27 of chapter 11 at the end where it says, by faith Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. He didn't see him with the natural eye, but he could see him with the eye of faith. That's why your friends stand around scratching their heads when you live by faith. They don't understand why you live by faith. In fact, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it tells us this. It tells us that the world views us as foolish, views the gospel as foolishness. And then if you get to chapter 2, it says this in verse 9. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared all these promises. They haven't been seen by our eye they haven't been heard by our ear they haven't entered the heart of man and then you get to the next verse and it says for to us God revealed them through the spirit we haven't seen them with a natural eye we haven't heard them with the natural ear but guess what the spirit of God has revealed them through to us through what through the eye of faith we can see the promises of God and they are so clear to us that we are willing to bet our life on those things so what is faith faith is taking the future promises of God and bringing them into the present and making them real to me and then faith is the conviction that says I'm going to bank my life on the promises of God you know most of us are like a lady who took her first plane ride and after she arrived at her destination she was asked were you afraid and she said well no I wasn't afraid but I have to be honest with you that During the whole trip, I never put my full weight down on the seat. We tend to be like that. I believe, but I'm not sure I'm convinced that I can put my full weight down, that I can bank my whole life on Jesus Christ. I remember going repelling out in Colorado one time. There was a girl there. We were we repelling were off a cliff. And, and uh, if you've done repelling, you know that you have to start out on the cliff and you have to just move from this position to do straight backwards very rapidly in order to repel. And there's a certain point where you commit yourself and you're gone, you know. And and sitting there and this girl was all harnessed up and she was ready to go and she was tied to the tree and she couldn't get herself to go off the cliff. And the guy that was sort of doing it said, well, This tree has been used thousands of times for repelling. It's known as the repelling tree. It's so strong. Everybody depends on it. It's worked for everybody. Don't you trust the tree? And she said, yeah, I trust the tree. He said, this is my personal rope. I use this rope. It's it's tested. I've used it many times. It's in good shape. I always check it. Don't you trust my rope? She said, yeah, I trust your rope. Don't you trust me? I tied the the knot. It's the same knot that we've used for several other people. It always works. Don't you trust me? Don't you trust my knot? Yes, I trust you. I trust your knot. Then go off. And she said, no. See, some of us say, "You know, I believe all these facts about God. I believe all these facts in the Bible. I believe all these facts about Jesus Christ. But when it comes to banking our life on the promises of God, we say, no, I'm scared. I can't, I can't back off and go. And that's what faith is. And that's why it's hard to explain to somebody else because you can give them all those facts and they can give verbal or mental assent to those facts. But that's not faith. Faith is when I back off and trust myself totally to Jesus Christ and his promises to me. You know, it's amazing to me that that so many of us believe everybody but God. You know, we go into the doctor and he says, "Uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you've got spongitis. And uh, we're going to have to open you up tomorrow morning. We're going to have to remove your audioplast. And we're going to have to bend your cardio maxometer. And we're going to have to adjust your auxiliary uh, administrator. And you say, uh, whatever you say, doc. And so they come and they put you out for a couple hours while people mess around inside of you. By faith. We trust everybody but God. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that this world will one day be burned up with fire? And then do you live like it? Or are you clinging to All these things that are simply going to be kindling for the fire to come. Do you believe that you can, through prayer, talk to the very God of this universe? Do you act like it? Do you believe that one day Jesus Christ is coming back to this very earth to get you and take you with Him, to be with Him forever? Do you act like it? You see, if you really believe those things, then faith should have given them substance and you should be banking your life on them because that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you for this verse of Scripture that so clearly defines what faith is and father we realize that faith is a difficult concept to get our get our arms around to really get our mind around to really understand yet we thank you father that you are the one who has made the promises and that you are faithful and father i pray that today we might truly just analyze our hearts afresh today and realize that faith is that which gives your future promises a present reality and faith as we're going to see in these examples throughout this chapter has to do with betting my life on the future promises of God. And Father, as we go from here today, I pray that you would make us to be people of faith for Jesus' glory. In his word name we pray. Amen.